Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. And welcome to episode 61 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Friday, the 28th of February, 2020, and it's finally stopped sleeting outside here in Scotland. So I will be able to go out for a walk when I finish chatting to you. There's snow on the hills, but it's dry and not blowing a gale, so that's a win. My guest today is Terry Lynn Thomas, the USA Today best selling author of Historical Mystery. We chat about Terry's writing process and her path to publication, as well as imposter syndrome and dealing with self-doubt. Before we get to my writing news today and the listener question, I want to give a massive shout-out to everybody supporting the show on Patreon. I appreciate it so much, and honestly, it keeps this show going. Thank you so much. Thank you and welcome to new patrons this month. Michelle Smith, Jen Farrant, and Joanne Mallory. Thank you so much. If you would like to join our little Patreon community, you can support the show for as little as $1 a month. And for $2 or more, you get access to the backlist of monthly, patron-only audio extras, in which I share tips on writing and publishing, sneak peeks of my forthcoming non-fiction book, and answer patron questions. There are two years worth there now, and you get access to the lot, as well as the new ones as they are published. If you're interested, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash worried writer, and that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash worried writer. So in writing news this month, I've been working hard on Crow Book 4, and it's starting to take shape, thank goodness. The big downside to being a discovery writer is that it's pretty nerve-wracking for a good part of the first draft, while I uh, free-write random scenes and hope for the best. I also commissioned a cover for my new non-fiction project, uh, which is all about marketing, branding and selling for authors, so that means I'm definitely going to finish and publish it. I have to admit I have been completely filled with self-doubt and imposter syndrome uh, on this project. It's especially the imposter syndrome is really kicking me because I I know that I'm not a, you know, a marketing guru or anything, but I've got the cover made and I love it. So I know I'm going to do it. And that's a, a wee bit of a tip there. Sometimes just taking steps um, towards your end goal, kind of not thinking about the end goal, but just taking the steps, like getting the cover um, commissioned and designed, can just really help to motivate you and to just keep you moving forward. Um, and it's also like another deadline. It's like I'm locked in now. I've paid for this cover. Um, another thing is that I'm talking about it to you right now. That's another thing is that accountability. I am locking myself in, which means that I'm just going to have to do it. Uh, so for me, that works really well. But I just wanted you to know that 
I'm not saying this because I've conquered self-doubt and I just know I feel great about it. I do it even though I'm filled with self-doubt and the fact that I have taken steps, you know, written the draft, commissioned the cover, told, you know, spoken about it in public. All of these things are like manageable steps, but they do kind of lock me in to a, um, lock me in to completing my goal. Um, just again, to share that with you, that that's possibly a tip that you might be able to apply uh, to your own projects. And now on to this month's listener question. This question is from Alex Yovanovitch. Apologies, Alex, if I'm mispronouncing your surname. Alex wrote, I wondered if you practice writing when not working on a particular project. I've only recently started exploring writing, and I would think you very much learn by doing. Are there ways to practice writing which you would recommend when not actually working on a concrete project? Thank you so much for the great question, Alex. And I absolutely agree with you. I do think that you learn best by doing, and I definitely advocate um, seeing regular writing as a practice, as something that you can do even when it's not for a particular project or book. I really do think that just doing a wee bit of free writing on a regular basis every day works for me as it helps to build or, or keep the writing habit. But as long as it's regular, whatever that means to you, that's also building a good habit. And that's a great way to practice. So you can go with stream of consciousness kind of journaling, uh, just writing about your own life and feelings, or you can use that free writing as a way to capture or explore ideas which are just floating around. Or you can start to form ideas for a proper, in inverted commas, project. Another way to practice um, in writing fiction is to, to use writing prompts and that uh, you can use those prompts to inspire small pieces of writing. Now, these pieces are not intended to lead to anything, but they can. If you are particularly um, results driven or prefer a more structured or focused way of practicing your craft, I would recommend that you focus on different techniques. For example, you could say to yourself, today I'm going to practice dialogue. So then you would think up a couple of characters with, say, very different backgrounds and modes of speech, and then you would write them having a conversation. Uh, to make it flow more easily, you would add in some conflict. So in this example, you might choose to set the conversation just after a minor car accident in which they both think the other person was at fault or they meet in the queue for the post office and one of them cuts ahead of the line or or one of them is a nursery teacher and the other is a harassed young parent who is late picking up their child uh, for the 10th day in a row and the nursery teacher needs to speak to them about it. Um, there are just so many different scenarios. It doesn't matter. You can go with whatever pops into your head and it doesn't matter because it's not for anything. There's no, no one's ever going to see it and it is not for any particular project, which is very freeing. Um, you can also do this for other aspects of writing. So you can practice writing description uh, by forcing yourself to write a descriptive passage, evoking a real or imagined place. Another tip that some people find very useful when learning to write fiction is to pick a scene or a chapter from a book that you admire and type it out. 
The act of typing out the prose will help you to notice and appreciate how the sentences and paragraphs are structured, and it can give you a sense of the rhythm of the writing. Now again, this is for just for your own practice, your own personal use, and you shouldn't worry that somehow you're going to um, take on another writer's style. It's actually really difficult to continually mimic another writer's style. Basically, the more you write, the more your own voice will come out, um, and you know, a few a few times of typing out other people's work isn't going to affect that at all. So don't worry about that. Another thing I would say is that sometimes we put off starting a project because we feel like it needs lots of research and we're not ready to start. So the only thing I would caution you with regards to um, wanting to practice other things rather than trying to write the book that you want to write or that's in your heart, I would say that practicing is great, but you can also practice by working on the book that you want to write. So you just tell yourself, this is just practice. Oh, there's loads more research I have to do for this, which I'm doing as I go along or I will do after but you're never really going to feel ready to write your book, in my experience. So I would just say that you can also just go headlong into your main project and kind of treat it as practice, if that makes sense. Thank you again for the great question, Alex, and I do hope that helps. Don't forget, if you've got a question you would like answered on the show, you can email me, sarah at worriedwriter.com or find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter. I want this show to be as helpful to you as possible, so do get in touch if you have any suggestions or requests. I'm very grateful for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you too for spreading the word about the show and for rating or reviewing the podcast on your podcast app of choice. It really helps. As ever, a quick shout out to some lovely folk on Twitter. First off to Ryan Buds, who uh, recorded a lovely review of The Night Raven on his YouTube channel. So that's at Ryan Buds. And also to a friend of mine and past a guest on the show, the lovely Stephanie Burgess, who is at Stephanie Burgess. Uh, Stephanie said, I would like to give a quick but deeply appreciative shout out to the wonderful Worried Writer podcast, which has been a steady beacon of positivity and helpful advice across the years of its existence. Oh, thank you so much, Stephanie. I really, really appreciate that. And now... Onto the interview section of the show. Terry Lynn Thomas is a USA Today best-selling author with two historical mystery series. The Sarah Bennett Mysteries are set in California during the 1940s and feature a misunderstood medium who is in love with a spy. The Cat Carlisle series is set in Britain during World War II and the first two books are called The Silent Woman and The Family Secret. Welcome to the show, Terry, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, could you just kick things off by telling us a wee bit about your latest release, which I believe is coming out this week as this show goes out? March 4th, it releases. um, The book is called The House of Lies. It's the third book in the Cat Carlisle mystery series um, set in World War II 
in the United Kingdom, actually set in a fictitious village in the north. It's called Rivenby. I made it up, had a blast. And I should differentiate between my historical mysteries because they're not necessarily about happenings in the war. Um, there's intrigue, but I it's fictitious based on my research. Um, these are pretty much classic mysteries. Um, I like to think of them as a cross between Faith Martin meets Agatha Christie. I don't write as well as Faith Martin or Agatha Christie, but that's who I'm shooting for. Um, so the third book in that series will be out March 4th, and we follow Kat Carlisle who is a reckless woman with a feminist attitude, and she's right there during World War II speaking up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Oh, that sounds fantastic. It sounds like my cup of tea. I'll have to check them out. Thank you. I'll send you a copy. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so we're actually speaking, through the magic of uh, smoke and mirrors, we're actually speaking a few weeks before this podcast comes out and a few weeks pre-publication. So I just wondered, how are you feeling? Do you get pre-publication nerves? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I get them around January. Um, I think a lot of writers have what we call imposter syndrome. So I have to deal with that. You know, you're worried that the reviewers won't like it and your readers won't like it. And there's just so many things to worry about. But I try to focus on getting the book out there to the readers that will like it. Um, it's such a fine line to say, buy my book, buy my book, like everyone else. But really, I want a commitment from my reader. It's like, I want to give you a story, and I would like you to read it. And if I'm lucky, you like it. If you don't like it, you know, God bless, move on to the next thing. Um, you know, I have this thing I started, hashtag reader love. I'm sure other people do it too. But it's really all about the readers. And when I sit down to a blank screen, I'm thinking, my reader's not going to like that sentence. And I go back and fix it. I mean, I really, that's why I have a job and it's very important to me. So I, um, this year, my focus and one of my goals is to really engage with the people who like my stories and engage with them about things that aren't necessarily related to my writing. Mm -hmm. And when I think of it that way, it helps the pre-publication nerves. Because as you probably know this, and I'm sure other authors who are listening do, but on pub day, I'm checking my Amazon ranking every five minutes and checking Facebook every five minutes. And, you know, there's in I'm a digital first author. So it's not like I'm at a book signing with a bunch of people acting like I'm not nervous and drinking champagne, right? <laughs> so, but I love it. And it's fun. And even though I'm nervous and worried, I still love the process. So. Mm, I think that helps. So do you find that experience knowing how you're going to feel on the day and knowing that you do love it and knowing that you will hear from some readers and you'll feel, you know, better and buoyed up by that? Does all that really help now? Um, so this is my sixth book that's wow. coming out. Mm -hmm. And I think that every release day is different. And I think writing is so interesting because you have a set of hurdles and you get, and then there's a new set of hurdles. <laughs> and so by the time the book releases, I'm on to the next set of hurdles with a different book. And um, I'm just, 
I get up in the morning on release day and, and tell myself that I'm just going to enjoy this and I have no expectations and then I'm not disappointed. But of course, it's, you know, it can be nerve wracking. I could flip a switch and get crazy nervous if I wanted to, <laughs> you know, it's make the choice not to. Mm, no, that's great. That makes me feel less alone. <laughs> I definitely Thank relate you. to that. <laughs> it's funny how um, we all connect on social media because writing is such an introverted, solitary thing. Mm. And I think a lot of us are introverts. And so we love social media. And my sister is now on social media and she's like, wow, for an introvert, you're very active on your Facebook page. And it's like, it's perfect. It's, <laughs> it's perfect. behind a screen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in my pajamas. There's nobody physically Always. with me. It's great. <laughs> right. Since I started writing full time, I have more pajamas than street clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> so I'd love now to go back to the beginning. Uh, it's the usual question. Did you always want to write? Always. Um, but I didn't, you know, don't be an artist, learn to type. I'm dating myself, but what we were, what I was told is get a job, learn to type. Writers don't make any money. And so I, um, was a court reporter. I'm from the U S and then I spent uh, the bulk of my career as a litigation paralegal working in the legal world, always knowing I wanted to write, always uh, had written you know, novels and screenplays, got an agent, nothing happened, burned them, burned all that stuff. It'll never see the light of day. And, um, and then my husband, we lived in San Francisco and he offered, um, for me to move with him to Mississippi, which is in the Southern United States, different culture. And he said, if you move with me, I'll buy you a horse and you can write full time. <laughs> and I said, okay. I mean, okay. I, what do you say to that? And so I started taking it. I started writing in earnest um, in 2006 and I made a commitment to sit down and write every day. And I wrote um, the Sarah Bennett mysteries. And these are the books that I love, um, kind of like your ghost your ghosty books, you know, <laughs> the secrets of ghosts and the language of spells and the garden of magic. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love those books of yours. Love Susanna Kearsley. And I also used to really love those books, um, like the ace gothics from the 1950s and 1960s, where the woman's in her nightgown running away from the castle. <laughs> I love those books. And so I set out to write the Sarah Bennett books, which kind of, they're kind of modern gothics, I would say. And then I wanted to write something different. And I love British mysteries. And I predominantly read British authors and watch British television. And I thought Midsummer Murders and Love. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I'm going to write what I love. And so I wrote a novella, the Cat Carlisle novella. And I responded to a submission call on Twitter and I submitted it to HQ and they said, no, thank you. And then a couple months later, um, Hannah Smith wrote and said, can you turn this into a novel? And I said, sure. And I did it, you know, I, and it was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it in three months and I'm, this is what it's going to look like. And I did that. And, um, she really pushed me to get clear about my vision and, and what I wanted to write. And so the book released in April of 2018. So fast forward two months, my husband and I are camping in Colorado. The book comes out, no big deal. I didn't expect a big deal. I, you know, I had no expectations, right? So we come down the hill from camping and my Facebook is full of my friends saying, you're on the USA Today bestseller list. Couldn't believe wow. it. It's like, it was just one of those pinch me moments. And Let's talk about imposter syndrome. It took me a year to put USA Today bestselling author on my Facebook page uh -huh. because it was, I, because I was like, it's at spot 132. 
does that count? And they're like, yes, yes, it counts. <laughs> Go to your Facebook page and add that you're a USA Today bestselling author. So that book has been great. And I've had so much fun with Kat Carlisle. You know, she's just so, um, I, I'm big on social justice and, and people say, well, you're a feminist and it shows up in your writing. And it's like, well, it's not about feminism per se. It's about being fair mm -hmm. and people that aren't treated fairly. And since I'm a woman, of course, you know, it's a feminist slant, but there's other people that are marginalized that should have their say too. So it's fun to put Kat Carlisle, who is reckless and does not follow the rules of British society. And she's married to someone who is very well connected. And she just, when they say cat, when they say cat, don't do this, she turns around and does it. <laughs> and she's so much fun to write. So that I'm really excited for this third book. It was fun. I love that you write from the heart and write from your passions. And I was going to ask you what led you to writing in your particular genres. And I was going to ask if you found it easy to pick a genre. And I love that you were saying it's what you were loving. It's what you would love to read. And, and I also love the gothics, by the way. <laughs> was it Nine Coaches Waiting by? Oh, Mary Stewart. Mary Stewart. Mary I love Stewart. Mary Stewart. Oh. oh, my gosh. And I love the ivy tree. Oh, yeah. Touch Not the Cat. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So good. So that's great to hear because I, I always, I always say that people should write what they love, book of their heart, what they're passionate about. Um, so I love hearing that. But in terms of it being historical, do you have to do a lot of research there? And if so, is that something you enjoy? I love research and I love getting lost down the rabbit hole. But once again, to make the distinction, my job for my style of mystery is to have my readers know what it felt like to live during this particular time. Um, I think that the generation who lived through World War II, especially in the UK, were heroic and brave. And there were the people up in the airplanes and, my God, the women in the resistance and all those heroes that just you, – your heart breaks and how brave and courageous they were. But then it was the sacrifice of the ordinary people who didn't maybe make it into the newspapers but that kept their chin up and with their meager rations and, and carried on. Mm -hmm. and. Um, so my goal is to really make people know how the world worked at that time, because I don't want us to forget. And it's really nice to spend 300 pages with people who do not have cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite handy when you're writing mystery as well. <laughs> right, right. There are so many things and you think, oh no, if you've got a mobile phone, then you would just get out of this situation in five minutes. And also mistaken identity mysteries oh, yeah, are so much fun in that era because you can move to a town and say, I'm Sarah Painter. Yeah. And no one has a way of knowing back then, you know, so it's just, those are, that's a fun thing to do. So let's now delve into the nitty gritty of your writing process, because I'm still obsessed with how, how authors spend their time. Do you write every day or keep business hours? Um, do you aim for a particular word count? What's your process? Well, let me say that I'm obsessed with the way people do it too. <laughs> I mean, I just, I really want to know because you, you wonder if you're doing it right. You know, it's like, am I doing this right? You know, am I missing something? Because mm -hmm. you're working home alone and I'm a very goal oriented person. And that's just how I'm, I, that's my mar my personal marker. So I definitely write a thousand words a day, Monday through Friday. Um, sometimes it's two, you know, it just, it, two is nice. A thousand's great, you know. So I get up in the morning and resist the urge to get on social media. I often wake up at four or five and I get my words done. 
you know, I, I do four, two 45-minute sprints. If my neck and wrists aren't bothering me, I might do three. And I, um, I get up and I do my words and I feel like I'm finished for the day. I keep my head in my story. I think about stuff and um, what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm writing notes and marketing plans and stuff. And then I generally um, walk. I, I try to write for 45 minutes and then go walk a mile with my dogs. And that kind of clears the cobwebs. And then I come back and do another 45 minutes. Um, I just try to really stick to that. And then I give myself permission now and again to get up and say, Nope, I'm binging something on Netflix today. You know, I, I, that, that happens, but I try to reserve the weekends to hang out with my husband. Um, he, he's a musician, so we're both artists and, um, you know, it's, he's really supportive. It's carving out the time. My, my whole writing career changed when I, when I was working full time, I got up and wrote from four to six every morning and I was really tired all the time, but it was worth it because that you just, it's it's this, the words, you just have to sit down and write. You have to sit down and write and give yourself permission to write bad prose, but keep going, you know. So that's my, my the main thrust of my process is to write every day. Now you're going to ask me if I'm an, a plotter or a pan. A I am. You want me to answer? <laughs> yes, please. So are you a discovery um, I, writer? <laughs> I wish I, I admire discovery writers. I, and I also listened to Joanna Penn's podcast and I'm like, I am going to try to do what those discovery writers do. And I just, I, I can't do it. I tried. I am an anal retentive plotter. <laughs> I work from a very, very, very detailed outline. I generally, and I give myself permission for the outline to change, but my writing struggles happen for me with um, when I'm doing the outline. It takes me a month of working four or five hours a day. I generally do it longhand. Um, I spend a week on the premise line, that one sentence. I mean, that's like the hardest thing. And then I sit down and I work on that outline. And I, that's when it's like, this isn't going to work. I know this isn't going to work and I can't see how I can make it work. And so I move on to the next thing, character sketches or my storyboard with my scenes. And, you know, I just, I really put my blood and guts into the outline. Then when I sit down to actually compose and write my prose, I'm knocking on wood right now, God <laughs> willing, um, it flows, you mm -hmm. know, because I've done so much work with the outline. And when a sentence, when a scene doesn't work, and it's just like, this doesn't work. I realize I don't need the scene or it's, it's not, it's not doing what I need it to do. And out it goes. And now I'm, I mean, I'm working on my seventh book right now and I, um, definitely can feel that the outlining it's getting better, that doing that is getting better. And I just realized I'm just going to suffer through the outline, have my suffering happen with the outline. And then my sentences can come from a place of joy, mm. you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's fascinating to me. Um, but I really truly believe that we all, we all outlined in a, in a certain way. We all, we all do all the parts of the process just at different times. And yeah, I suffer through the terrible first draft because I don't plot at all and I don't know what's going on. And then I have to do so many rewrites. Then I'm always cursing it and thinking, Oh, I wish I, I wish I could outline this to start with and, and get the pain then. But you get the pain at some point. <laughs> so that's, that's just how it is it's just hard <laughs> and it's so subjective and it's so oh. individual and you just really you just need to do what works for you because um 
Another thing that I struggled with when I made the decision to write full time is, you know, Americans, we have a 40 hour work week and executives on the move put in 50 hours. I mean, they, we work, I, you know, I don't know what the climate is in the UK. I imagine it's similar. And as an author, writing too much is, is an issue of diminished return. Mm-hmm. You know, you write, if you, if you burn yourself out, your words won't be pretty anymore. And it's sometimes I do my 2000 words and I think, you know, I could slip another session in and then I think, no, I'm going to be excited for tomorrow. And that's something I've had to tell myself because I came to this job late and I most certainly do not want to burn out. I am not, I'm going to do it because I love it. You know, I feel like I'm finally old and I have a job I like <laughs> I'm going to treat that as a treasure and I'm going to enjoy it. I think it's really important. That's fantastic. That's such an important thing to say. And I think you're right that there is a culture of of working hard, working long hours. Um, but what you were saying there as well, what you hit on there is writing, working hard for a writer doesn't always look like what we think of as working. So if you've got 2000 words done in the, in the morning and it's gone well, so you're all, you know, you're done. That's because you did that incredibly intense, focused, hard, creative work. I don't want to be rude about an admin task that doesn't use quite as much brain power, but maybe that equates to six hours of admin work or something, which we do as well. I'm not not putting it down, but it doesn't look the same. From the outside, they look the same. You're typing on a computer. Right. And also we do stuff, you know, we're thinking, aren't we? All the time thinking or watching Netflix to get, um, refill the creative well. And that's all part of what we do. It's all part of work. It just doesn't feel like it <laughs> all the time. Because it's so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Do you keep a notebook by your bed so when you wake up in the middle of the night, you can write down your ideas and stuff? I do. I do write. I write notes and notebooks all the time, but I don't often do it in the night anymore because whenever I used to do that, I would wake up and think, very important note, must write it down. And then the next day I would look at it and I had no idea why it had seemed so important. It would be, you know, things like avocado dinosaur question mark you know it just (laughs) but yeah I do I do make notes at other times do you find you get ideas in the middle of the night I do and I write them down and um there are times I've solved problems you know writing mysteries it's all about the plot I have to just and people are very sophisticated and I really have to bring my A game to these mysteries that aren't gothic ghost stories because mystery readers are extremely sophisticated and they will rip you. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're watching and I owe it to my readers to give them a good, honest story. And if I, my job is to trick them, I, I'm going to trick you. And when I get reviews that I had no idea I have done that, I have done my job. Mm. That's my goal. So I know that um, we were chatting just before we hit record. I know that your your recent titles are published by HQ Digital. Is that right? Correct. Um, yes. So what was your path to publication? Was it smooth sailing all the way? Um, I I finished the first book I ever wrote that was I thought was publishable. It was my ghost story called The Spirit of Grace. And I took it to the Uh, RWA conference in San Antonio in 2014. And I pitched, you know, you go through all the agent pitches and every agent I talked to wanted a full. And I sent it and the universe works in a very mysterious way because I also had got it. I I heard from people, but I never got the emails. I had Yahoo and I never got emails from people. And then this one lady from Black Opal Books called me, you know, and she said, 
did you not get my email? We'd like to publish your book. And I just, I said, I'm just going to go for it. The little voice in my head said, get your book out there. I was thinking maybe I'd self-publish. And um, they signed a three-book contract for the Sarah Bennett series. I got my rights back to those books. And the second two books in the series, Weeping in the Wings, and I'm sorry, it's called The House of Secrets. And the third book is now called The Drowned Woman. Those are with HQ now. Ah. And they revamped and redid them and gave them a boost. And they're doing, you know, they're, they're happy with HQ. I still have the rights to the first book, the Sarah Bennett series. That's out in Audible. Um, I, that's a available at, at Amazon. And so I had those books. And, and then of course, the Twitter, I responded to the Twitter submission at HQ. I, I needed the editorial support from a traditional publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, that just works for me. I, um, I have a lot to learn still. And I am so impressed with these editors that I've had that just, I would never have thought of making the corrections that they you know, and they really push you mm-hmm. and you get this editorial, your structural edits back and you think, oh dear God. And then you just sit down. <laughs> when you stop crying. <laughs> right. I'm <laughs> never going to be able to do this. And then you just sit down and you just, and and when you're finished, it's, it's, it's amazing the transformative process of the mm-hmm. novel. But as for me as a writer, it's just been so mm-hmm. awesome to be able to do that. And, um, so I've been happy with HQ and mm. that's where I am right no, it is, now. It's, a, it's such a fantastic way to learn, isn't it? I definitely agree with you. I feel the same way. I've learned so much through working with amazing developmental structural editors. It's really tough, but it's, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else that I have done apart from writing uh, lots, of course, practicing that has brought sure. on my ability to write a book or, or know what goes in one. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I completely agree. So I'm afraid the time has come. The title of the podcast is The Worried Writer. So I'm afraid I'm going to delve into your struggles with writing. I have a list. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Do you ever suffer from creative block? And is there any part of the process that you find most difficult or when fear is most likely to strike? Um, fear comes, I, I have a niggle of fear that I need to deal with pretty much every day because I'm a, I'm a creative who, who, who writes stories for the food you know, and stuff. And, um, but I really, uh, I kind of hinted that I finally have a job I love. I really feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I didn't quit my day job easily. It was a long, hard decision. And I just feel like as long as I sit down and write well, and like you were talking about in your interview with Meg Cowley of saving for the lean times and, you know, just working hard, you know, I can let that fear go. Mm. Um, I worry that I'm, you know, I'm not a USA Today bestselling author. It's like, that's not me. You know, people say, aren't you so excited? Oh my gosh. And it's like, no, I have mm. like, what happens if, you know, what happens if, and I don't even want to say it out loud, but there's so many ifs, you know, you're, you're really only as good as your next book on some level. I mean, you can't, you can't rest on your laurels when you write a really great book and turn it in. You have to start writing the next one. And you have to have the, you know, I've got premise lines for 20 more mysteries. I know that I, if, and there, I save them and I have an idea file and I know what's going to happen and I keep a murder book and I know who, if I want to kill someone, they go in my murder book and, you know, and I'm afraid no one will <laughs> like my books and, 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 you know, 
I, I'm, I try hard and it's so hard to, you know, to take the reviews with a grain of salt. Um, I'm grateful for reviewers, but I am better off not reading my reviews. And it's not fair to only read the good ones. If you're going to read them, you got to read the good ones and the bad ones. So I've just decided that I'm not going to, I'm just not even going to go there because I'm too sensitive. Mm -hmm. And I worry that I'm not doing it right. As I said, you know, the process. And it's just so funny that I mean, I love it so much, but there's just so much uh, worry about it. You know, there's plenty to worry about. There's plenty to worry about. It's just the job. The worries just keep on changing, don't they? That's whatever, you know, before you get published, you worry about, will I ever get published? And then you get published and there's a whole new set of worries. And as you were just saying there, the, the sort of imposter syndrome, you don't, because the USA Today bestselling thing happened to you, it immediately doesn't feel real. When it happens to somebody else, it's got a different sheen to it somehow. And so, yeah, absolutely, you're very much not alone, but it, it is tough. And it's also genuinely tough in that this business is so uncertain. It's you know, so that, uncertain. that thing of, will I get another contract? And then this, my dream job could be over. And I, I'm nodding away here because I just empathize so strongly with you with that. That's definitely how I felt. And it was hellish. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah. And I also think, um, you know, that's the thing about writing. If you do it, you get better. The results mm -hmm. are tangible. Whether people like your stories or not, I see myself get growing and getting better as a writer. And I don't think that ever changes. But I believe that your reader's expectations go up as your writing gets better. And then what if I can't meet their expectations? Uh -huh. That's another thing I, another oh. thing I can worry about. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're so grateful for readers, but then we don't want to let them down. Oh. Right. Oh. Right. <laughs> right. So. so tough. Anyway. And so do you have any sort of strategies? I mean, as you were just saying, it's really a daily thing of conquering fears so that you can get your work done. Do you have any particular strategies that you use when maybe these worries are coming up a bit too much and it's stopping you from working? Or is there anything that you've developed or that you do to help you keep going? <laughs> I started writing the habit of writing the first thing when I get up in the morning and when I'm struggling out of sleep and I get make my coffee and I sit on the couch um, and I just write the words. And that really helps because I've, I'm in that state of mind of just getting out of bed and I get my work done. I get my work done and I find that I hit the sweet spot. Um, but I, you know, when I, I, I made a list of stuff that I wanted to, you know, cause I know how you do your podcast and I, I made a little list of like what I know, and this is kind of what I can, it's kind of what I draw on and what I know about writing. And this is not a business for the faint of heart. <laughs> I mean, if you want to sell your stories for money, you know, you have got to toughen up. And most of us, I'm really sensitive. And I think most artists on some level are because that's how we're able to do our art because we're sensitive. And you have to um, be able to take the constructive criticism. Um, the House of Lies is up on NetGalley right now. And one reviewer, um, she gave me a good review, but she said that she thought the pacing was a little slow. And I thought, okay, good. I'm, no, I'm making a note of that. And the book I'm writing on now, I used to do 2000 word scenes. I'm going to write 1500 word scenes and I'm going to get to it. This is what needs to happen. And I'm, I'm going to tighten up my writing a little bit and see, I can always add words and I can always fix it when I edit, but I can, that's, that's good information. You know, you have to be able to take that information and work with it. Um, and reading, of course, you know, we all, 
know to read. And I've, I have discovered and fallen in love with audiobooks. I love them. I listen to them all the time. I, I just, when I'm in the car, um, we listen to music a lot because I said my husband's a musician, but, um, and I have repetitive stress issues. So it's hard for me to hold my Kindle in a book sometimes. I save my wrists for my writing. And um, that le- allows me to read and write and so many great books available at the library. Um, and then the authors get paid and, you know, and I subscribe to audible and, and I also think this is kind of a strange thing, but I want people to buy my books. So I buy people's books. I buy books, you know, it's kind of the give and take thing. Mm. You know, it's just really important. People always say, well, why don't you go to the library? And I do, but I also buy books. I, Mm. I, I buy I buy those Kindle books, and when my friends' books go on sale on BookBub, I have a hundred books to read before them. I just you know I buy them. <laughs> um, I think that it's normal to that self doubt is normal, and you need to figure out a way to push through that, um, whatever it is for you individually. You know, for me, it's to you know not worry so much of reviews and find your tribe. It's important to find your tribe. There's so many wonderful writers groups on social media and in various organizations. I think it's important. And I think um, giving myself permission to fail. I mean, I might write a bad book. Everybody's going to write a bad, I mean, it's like it might happen, you know, it's just, I might write a dog of a book and that's okay too. You know, it's just live and learn and know that it's, you know. It is just a book. It's just a book. That's what I keep saying. Nobody died. It's just a book. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And the career trajectory might not be straight up. It won't be. be It definitely won't won't be straight up. You know, it's this, Mm. it's a tough business. It's really a tough business, Mm. you know, not for the faint of heart. Definitely. Definitely. We've been talking about, we've been alluding, we've been mentioning the business side, the publishing side, along with the artistic side. And something that that I struggle. I mean, I'm getting a wee bit better at it, but I still struggle with balancing the marketing, publishing, business side with the writing side. Um, how do you manage that? How do you balance it? Um, I struggled mightily with it because mm. everybody wants to check Facebook every five minutes and my <laughs> Amazon ranking every five minutes. But I read this really wonderful book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And, you know, who thinks that we shouldn't, ha- no one should be on social media at all. And and as you know, that's not feasible for authors because we need to reach our audience. And I love engaging with readers. I love engaging with readers. But um, so I write in the morning and then I curate my social media. Um, I, I, I post on Twitter some, um, I do something on Facebook and Instagram. I, I, I do about three hours a week and that's it. Um, and that's what I do. And I, I have to definitely resist that addiction, like to reach for my phone and who's on Facebook right now. It's it for me, um, that book really resonated because I am addicted to Facebook. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can easily sit there and scroll through Facebook and it's like, I could be doing something so much more fun than scrolling through Facebook right now. So you really have to curate and, and I'm there to connect with people and I go through notifications and I, when I answer every comment, I do my level best to respond to every person who comments because I like that and I want Mm -hmm. to engage with them. And, um, you know, and then there are times when you have to say no and learning to say no is a thing. That's very true. I'm just the same. I I want to respond to all comments. And my husband was saying, I can't remember, maybe last year, he said, you know, there'll come a time when you really can't, 
you can't respond to everything because I was I was upset that I'd taken ages to respond to something because I'd just not seen it and then I just felt really rude you know and he said you're gonna have to let go of some of this you know you're gonna have to cut yourself a break on this right And and I said yes at some point I can see that maybe if I was successful enough that might happen but until that moment I'm going to do my level best if somebody has taken the time to interact with me, to say something nice, to read my books, whatever, and reach out to me. I want to respond. It's just how I am. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And I'm not necessarily committing to doing it within 24 hours. No, no, that's important. And, and, you know, it might take a week or it might take two, not likely, but you know, you never know. And, and I think that's really important. I, I think, um, readers have a lot of choices. And when they buy your book, they're buying a piece of you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just um, important to really connect that. I think that's the part of the joy that's part of the job I like. Absolutely. Exactly. I love it. It's not a hardship at all. (laughs) But you're right. I think taking, allowing, um, allowing there to be a wee bit of buffer, like it's okay if you don't respond immediately, so that you can batch it into your social media time, rather than continually reacting and being dragged out of your deep work. Um, and I love that book as well, by the way. It's fantastic. It made a big impression on me as well, that importance of sinking into our work and prioritizing that. Yeah, amazing. Very, very important. <laughs> but um, the time has just flown by. So <laughs> I know. I was so nervous. I was so worried. <laughs> oh, were you? Oh, you were on brand. Well, I'm always on brand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, you are always on brand. And I'm not <laughs> worried, worried now. I could go another hour easily. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's great. I'm so pleased. <laughs> it's so funny because writers are so introverted. But have, when you go to a writer's conference, it's so much fun because you know everybody's talking and having cocktails. And then you know when they go home, they're shutting the curtains and they're not going to be talking to people for a week, right? <laughs> it is. We're all let out for a minute and we all just talk right. a mile a minute. <laughs> but there's so much to say and it's always so nice to connect. So, no, it's yeah. another great tip is definitely to find, go to a conference, find a writing group, find whether it's online or in person, find, like you were saying, find your tribe. It's such a great tip. So just to finish up, what are you working on at the moment or what's next for you? Oh my gosh, I am so excited about this. I have a new series. Um, I will tell you that it features um, a 62-year-old protagonist and she is an attorney. She lives in San Francisco and I am I am over the moon about this series. I it's The book is just flowing. I'm just so tickled about it. Um, it, it kind of... It's like that show, The Good Wife, and then that UK show, The Split, which I love. Um, It's that kind of a tone, I will Mm -hmm. say. It's that kind of a tone. I wanted to write a more sophisticated protagonist. Um, my, my protagonists are, have progressively gotten more sophisticated through each series, but I, I'm looking forward to writing an, an older woman, you know, who, um, who older women have their own struggles and um, women in their 60s will tell you that they feel invisible. And I intend to tackle that in this series. Fantastic. Well, there's certainly, I don't think there are, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that there aren't as many older female protagonists. Um, right. So that's great news. And I love the sound of it. Can't wait. Thank you. So just to finish up, where can listeners find out more about you and your books online? 
They can come to my website, terrylynnthomas.com, and they can sign up uh, for my mailing list. And I don't send out newsletters very often. I will send out an email when one of my books is 99 cents, when I have a new release, or when I have something fun to give you. So um, follow me there. I am on Facebook. I have a Terry Lynn Thomas author page. And you can find me on Instagram at Terry Lynn Thomas Books. And I do love to put my pictures up on Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter at TL Thomas Books. Wonderful. Well, I shall put all the links in the show notes, but thank you so much for your time. That was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag WorriedWriter. See you next time.